This episode of the Red and White Podcast is brought to you by SaturdayMorningTailgate.com. Tailgate gear by folks who love tailgating. Check out SaturdayMorningTailgate.com and use the code REDWHITE15 for 15% off your entire purchase of all your tailgate gear. SaturdayMorningTailgate.com, REDWHITE15. Folks, I'm back with another edition of the Red and White Podcast. I am your host, Evan, and it's been a while. A lot of things happened, holidays, season tailed off, uh, just, I don't know, I felt like it was getting repetitive there for a while, so I didn't want to keep putting out subpar content, well, even more subpar than usual, but that's beside the point. Um couple announcement now the red and white podcast is now available on spotify so check it out every bit helps even if you don't use spotify your podcast go there and follow it helps my numbers my numbers help pay for whatever little bills that i have uh, to run this podcast but i appreciate it appreciate the exposure and the help and as always appreciate everybody listening so lots happened. We had the ECU game, and I probably won't really rehash these two games since I last recorded, just because they're in the past and it's kind of I don't know it's 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 done. But the ECU game and Texas A&M games uh, were very much similar <laughs> in the fact that somebody got their ass kicked. Uh, at one point it was us, and at one point we gave out the ass kicking. Uh, it just kind of shows, I think, maybe where everybody is in the, in the landscape here. Uh, you know, as we approach the playoff with Alabama and Clemson, yet again in the college football playoff, I, I think we have time to take a step back and look at our program and where we are as a whole. Uh, Joe Giglio <clears throat> put out um, his yellow pad, and it was number of 10 win seasons for all the schools in the ACC, and or double digit, I should say. And this is going back over the last, I don't know, it was 30 or some years or something like that, but. There we are at the bottom with Wake and Duke and I forgot who else with with one. And it just kind of puts in perspective of where we are or where we were as a program and how far I think the program has come that you can win nine games in back-to-back seasons. Now, despite... The looks of it, I mean, I get it. You could break it down and say, well, they haven't played anybody. But anybody could do that. I mean, Syracuse's schedule this year was pretty bad. And they got a couple good breaks. Played us right after we lost to Clemson. Played West Virginia without Greer. 
but you know nobody goes back and does that after the year's over nobody looks at the schedules they're going to see the number and look at, at the number of wins and state played the schedule they were dealt and for the most part played it fine i mean there was a couple disappointing games in there I, we all know that but for the most part you know that virginia win turned out to be better than most people expected So I think, uh, you know, kind of looking back over the year, and I put this poll out, and well, I forgot who it was. One of y'all tweeted at me and didn't believe me, but if you go back and look at my tweets from August this past year, and I put out how many wins do you think we'll have, and 73% of people said six wins. And so there wasn't a whole lot of optimism in for us to win nine games. I think that's pretty good. Now, whether it's just, you know, people weren't aware of the talent on the team or they're just, you know, NC State fans being skeptical. I don't know. Whatever. But the perception was, hey, they're not going to be very good. But now that the season's over and you kind of see how it played out and some teams weren't as good as they were, people thought they were going to be and some teams were bigger dumpster fires than they thought they were going to be. It feels people. It feels like a missed opportunity, and it's only because losing the weight game. You know, you, you felt like they they should have won that game. It would have been another ten win season. But you know, it was a, it was a good year, and despite how it ended, I'm I'm happy with it. You know, I'm happy with the progress. Just get into some of the specifics that have happened over the last few months. So we had a lot of coaching turnover, and I think you know that played his part in the Texas A&M game. Drink leaves, Ledford leaves. You know these guys got promotions. All the guys that have almost ever left under Dave Dorn have gotten promotions. Outside of Barlow in Canada, I believe. Um, so you can't hate the guys for leaving. I think Doran goes about it, and this is probably something that it seems to me that he's learned over the years, especially over the recent years here, having to hire. He goes out and finds the guys that are statistical outliers, which units shouldn't have performed as good as they did, why did they perform as good as they did, and can we poach one of those guys? And so he hires John Garrison, He's a former Nebraska center. This is back when Nebraska was good. He was on the Eric Crouch National Championship team. So I think he knows a bit about blocking and offensive line play. But he's from FAU. And FAU last year was 14th in the country in sacks allowed. And I forgot the number was in rushing, but they were up there in rushing as well. And this is a year after losing three starters from an offensive line that was top 10 in the country in sacks allowed and so you don't expect those things from FAU so he goes out and hires this guy and Garrison's supposed to be a great recruiter he's young um, getting after it and it's a good hire and so I think for the most part we trust Doran's um, experience in hiring these guys I think he's kind of found the formula and how to do that now the co-coordinators thing 
This is the part that I'm not sure about. And I'll, I'll go into it with an open mind, but I don't know how it's going to work out. Um, you know, he promotes Dez and McDonald to be... I said Barlow earlier. It's Frisman Jackson, not George Barlow. Sorry. Um, anyway, going back to the coordinators. I don't know how it's going to work out, man. I don't... Those guys, Des especially, had a ton of interest from other programs, but he wasn't going to leave unless it was for a head coaching job. And JM, when you wanted him, uh, so you know he's important to the program, and he's been a good recruiter. He's been a good ambassador, and I don't think he really wanted to leave. So getting him the co-offensive coordinator, you know, it's good to keep him around. Is that best for the program? And I'm going to get into that a little bit more specifically uh, a little bit later on. I don't think we should judge the Texas A&M game as proof that it's going to work or it's not going to work. Um, there were some decent play calls there, some bad play calls, but there's a lot of, I mean, you just had a lot of guys that, a lot of chaos going on. Guys aren't there, guys aren't playing, coaches aren't coaching, and you have GAs coaching and just it was kind of a mess so I don't necessarily I'm not going to point to that game as an indicator of future success but I do have some some thoughts about that but one thing I'd like to point out really about that game and I didn't I just didn't understand it and I didn't have the perspective that I do now after the game. And the reason I say that is because you look at that game and like, oh, all right, the better team won, they, they beat us. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I can see that, but why is that so? And so much of it has to do with the talent and the, the depth of the team. And, you know, you're thinking, thinking about it, and you're like, well, we've had some good recruiting classes. Yeah, the last two have been really good, but the two before that have been – pretty bad and let me pull up the I tweet this out and this is not my um, this was not for me I, I took a screenshot from inside pack sports forum but this is really what gave me kind of the perspective of where the program is and, that, and maybe it'll help you understand you know how important nine wins is the 16 and 17 classes were, this is a quote from somebody, the 16 and 17 classes were really bad. There were some nice players, but go look at the class breakdown. Who's going to impact? Who's going to be in next year's senior class? It's not good. It's tough to overcome a class like that, but State has done a good job making it work. And so you look at the 2016 class, um, redshirt sophomores or juniors for this past season, and you have guys like Kelvin Harmon, Justin Witt, Auten Reith, McLeod, Skullthorpe, and then you start getting into backups. Tim Kicklass, C.J. Riley, Brock Miller. Brock Miller, And then others, Isaiah Stalin, Parham, Chase, Kendall Brown, Colin Wires. Those guys really hadn't really played. But the real eye-opener is that 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 of those guys from that 16 class. And now these two guys are supposed to be juniors in your program and developed in and 
participating are not on the team. Harrison Key, James Valdez, Garrett Hooker, Bryce Folsom, Bryce Dixon, Deshaun Stevenson, Deshaun Stevens, Shug Fraser, Bryce Banks, Thad Moss, J.J. Givens, Trey Meadows, not on the team. That's half of your class is not there. And so you're missing just, you know, key components. And, you know, you can go back and judge, like, why is that? This is, that's Dorn's, what, third class? It should have been better than that. Well, they didn't really win, right? If you think about it, it goes back in and it takes a Tom O'Brien dumpster team and doesn't do too well. Go six and six. Not a whole lot of momentum there. Um, but what they've done is develop the guys that they have gotten and have really utilized that. Like guys like Garrett Bradbury, who are basically unknowns. Right? And I think Steve Williams from IPS said, I don't even know why they recruited this guy. And it turns out they developed him into the best center in the country. And so that's you take a lot of that, and you need a lot of that to get to where they are now because they just don't have the horses. And you play a team like Texas A&M, who's recruited in the top 25 for the last what, probably 10 years, and you kind of understand the difference, right? You understand how big of a a leap, how big of a job it is for for what Dorn and company are doing. And, again, looking at the 2017 class, so this should be your redshirt freshman or sophomores for this year. Ingram, Moore, Omeka, Josh Fed Jackson, and Murchison, right? Those are the five starters. First backup, McKay. First backup, Aceus. And second backup, Ibrahim Conte. And then you have Gibson, Lias, Spees, Fisher, Baselli, Dante Johnson, who just haven't played. They haven't, they're not there yet. And then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys again who are not on the team. Darden, Saunders, Thompson, Nikia Robinson, Aaron Collins, and Ken Vince Brown. That's a lot of players, man. That's a lot of guys that are not contributing. Right? Just look at that. That's 20 dudes in two classes. So 20 out of 40 out of 50 not contributing. Or just not on the team, and that's hard, man. That's hard for that's hard to build a foundation. That's hard to win without, again, quality depth. And you kind of see that kind of reared its ugly head this year with a you know running back position. Glassby had a great year, but when you lose Hines and Samuels just don't have and you don't have any depth because you don't you didn't you know Robinson's off the team and Collins is off the team and I think you're starting to see less of those problems but those those are the problems right those are there and those are the issues that need to be addressed and just didn't really it didn't really click until I read that like oh man Right, you need a lot. You need a few more classes, like the 18 class and the 19 class, that are you know top 30, top 20 team or classes with really good players. Because you can only, you can't compete. You can't run with a Texas A&M 
you know, if you're not doing, if you're not doing that, right? And, I, and that sounds weird. People are gonna say, "Well, there other schools win with less." I'll get into that, but for the way that Dorn wants to do it, you know, he's he's had really good player development. You've really developed guys into pros, and you start to see that with, you know, this after this draft match, I have thirteen guys in the pros, thirteen or fourteen guys playing, you know, and State's never really had that. I mean, we've had. Rivers and you've had Holt and a guy here or there, you know, make the team, but you haven't had real contributors. Bradley Chubb's going to be, an, you know, defensive rookie of the year. BJ Hill, BJ Hill just broke the giant sack record for rookies. Like you have guys that are really contributing, and Dorn has done that with development, and now you start adding talent to that development, and that's when you really start to to elevate. But they're just not there yet, and. and yeah, that's just a perspective that a lot of us don't have, and it, you know, to me, I didn't have it either. And I read this, and I'm like, well, that kind of makes more sense. Now, somebody asked me, is you know, is that because of you know bad scouting? But, and I, I don't think so. I think it's just it's probably a mix of things: bad evaluations or taking gambles on guys. But you can't factor in kids doing dumbass shit that gets them kicked off the team. You know, and it's hard to recruit when you don't have wins. Right? And, you know, you, you didn't have a foundation to win on, so he's got to build that foundation. He's got to start winning. And I think you're starting to see that pay off, especially with this recruiting class. Really good. So I don't know. So you, you, know, you think about where it is it's a program and I think you know Doran's doing an excellent job I don't think and I, I just want to be able to provide a little bit of that perspective of where where the team is right they're just, just not not that many good players yet and that's changing it just takes a while to change man you're talking about football it takes a long time and so that brings me kind of to the, my next point and I'm gonna read a couple tweets and from uh, from some folks. So Trent Pilkington tweeted at me: A&M and Clemson showed us where we are in the national landscape. That gap is the hardest to climb for many reasons, but the recruiting assessment of these recent classes will let us know if we inching close, inching towards closing that gap. So that's exactly right. That's exactly what I'm saying: is that we just haven't had those players. Now with these 18 and 19 classes. You know, in theory, those should be really good. Those should be really good classes for closing that gap and getting more talent, getting a foundation that you have. Players there that are, you know, I'm not even sure the right word is, but just more talent, right? And closing that gap with these big programs. One thing I want to talk about, and I forgot about the, the NFL talent. I'd love to know what the correlation is, or if there is a correlation, between the number of players a school has in the NFL and the number of wins they've had over the you know, last five years. I bet you there's some trend lines there that, are, that can show you, hey, the more players you put in the NFL, and that might sound really obvious, but I bet you a lot of people haven't thought about it like that. 
So, uh, my secret statistician, if you're listening, see if you can find that num- find those numbers. How many the the trend for schools number of players in the NFL and their wins? I would bet there's a correlation there. Um, but anyway, going back to uh, where we are as a program and where what I think is missing. So I think Dorn's doing a great job. I I, I am concerned with the co-coordinators, not because it's co-coordinators running the offense, but the type of offense that Dorn wants to run is very run-heavy and very execution matters. And so... Adam Jude, he's a beat reporter for somewhere around Seattle, covers Washington. He tweeted, asked Chris Peterson if UW's offense needed a drastic overhaul in the offseason. He said, it needed to be fixed. How? Question mark. We, we'll have a plan. We will. We'll study the hell out of the tape and pare things down so we're more precise in what we're doing. It all comes down to execution. <laughs> this is a conversation that James Henderson from IPS and I have had a lot, and I've had it with other folks as well. It's more than execution. You can't execute your way past a good Clemson team or an Alabama team or even this Texas A&M team. Right? You can't execute more than... can't out execute it right I mean there's only a point it only bring you to to so such a level of success um, Jason Scott tweeted at me being a developer of talent is far different than being a good tech tactician I'll give Dorn credit for developing talent but I'll give him low marks on being good or average tacticians you gotta have both I agree and I think that's it um, and then you know Matt Zemick who's a good follower, quoted that tweet and said, this quote below is discouraging because it sure gives the impression that performing the plays currently being run is a bigger deal to Peterson than a rethinking of the scheme. Versus weaker, weaker opponents, it doesn't matter. Versus quality teams, it matters. And I think he's exactly right. It matters how, how you approach these teams. And I've been saying it for years, you can't, you've got to, B, you got to innovate in order to overcome the lack of talent. And I really think that Doran's insistence on running, quote, the NC State offense hurts. And I, I think without the players, without the horses, you ain't going to win the race. And so going back to the Matt Zemick thread, and I retweeted it, so everybody should, should read it if you got a chance. Says, and somebody asked him, do you think scheme is more important than execution? And again, this is what Matt says. If you don't have dudes in your roster, execution won't matter enough to win. Let's put it that way. If you have relatively equal talent, execution probably does matter more. But we saw yesterday that UW doesn't have the same talent as Ohio State. UW is not that different from Michigan. And that applies to us, too. We didn't have the talent to out-execute Texas A&M. 
And I think that is concerning if they don't adjust the offense, if they don't innovate. Now, maybe Kurt Roper being uh, QB's coach will add something to the offense. But he's very much a QB run first guy. Or at least he, he likes to call that when he was an offensive coordinator. So that's my concern. And I think that's cost us a few times this year. And people, are, you know, the people who are arguing it will say, and I know there's not many because most of y'all agree with me. Well, they threw it more times than they ran it versus Wake. Well, you're throwing, you know, outs and. short routes and curls and comebacks and you're not stretching the defense or you're not running from a spread look or you're not utilizing your six foot seven tight end and those are I mean those are concerns the fact that they ran I I'd love to know what the actual number were but I'm gonna guess it's under five screen passes this year like they ran one in the bowl game to Reggie Gillespie, and I was like, jaw dropped to the floor. I can't remember them running the screen this year. And when you don't have the depth of running back, and you you should want to get the guys into space, you want to get them run some of these short passes that are you know quote the extension of the run game, and just no creativity and no aggression. And I think that's concerning. There was another. Um, there's been some conversations over at uh, the IPS forums, which I like to read. It's generally some intelligent conversations, but there's some people, like the conversation started around uh, Miami, and I love what Manny Diaz had to say, that he wanted to be innovative, and he's hiring that way. He hired a young defensive coordinator, and one of the people on his radar for offensive coordinator is Fedora. And so the conversation started turning around Larry Fedora and, you know, basically about Fedora, right? And I'm sorry, if you don't think he's a good offensive coach, yeah, then we're, we're watching some different football. Because the dude could score some points. That is, the offense is no reason why. He's, it's not the reason why he's not in Chapel Hill. And I would love to have that attacking, aggressive mentality. And I don't think we have, and I think that's part of why we're, we run into like a Texas A&M or we have a problem winning the, the big game because you can't just out-execute, you can't push these guys around. And I think you see that when you have a quarterback who's going to be drafted early. You have one of the top offensive lines in the country. And you still can't hit deep balls. Or you're still, you know, struggle against certain teams. A scheme matters, man. I, I don't care. You can, you can execute your way to seven, eight wins. But to, to, to cross that bridge, especially, especially if you don't have the talent, 
that is equal on the other side of the field. You've got to scheme better. This is offensive and defensively. Everybody can point to our defensive scheme. I don't know what the hell they're doing. Texas A&M ran for 400 yards on us. So, yeah, I think you need to innovate on both sides of the ball. You know, typically that applies to offense because that's what people see. But you need you need to be a better tactician if you're going to win a war with less resources. And until Dorn gets equal resources, and I think he will, he's getting there. You're going to have to push through. You know, a season like next year where you're losing your top two wide receivers, your best running back, your top quarterback, three offensive linemen. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. You better have some creativity if you want to. You know, you want to win, and you're going to have to push through that in the recruiting trail. Like, hey, it's just it's just a down year, right? It happens. We got lost a bunch of guys. You know, it's concerning from the defensive standpoint that you just have seen no improvement. And I know that might be a bit harsh because they've gotten a little bit better, but you're still giving up big plays. You're still – teams are just throwing it over the top. Now, maybe it's because you don't have the players, right? Maybe if we go back and look at those 20 guys that are no longer on the team, it's a lot of secondary guys. I don't know. But the scheme sure isn't helping. I mean, they had Texas A&M on their heels and, you know, stopped getting pressure. And Texas A&M starts throwing it down to the tight end. And that just opens up the run game. And it was just bad. And I, I think you kind of see team, better teams expose that. So that's what concerns me about their co-coordinators. Not necessarily co-coordinators, but the fact that they don't want to adjust the system. And that might be harsh. Maybe Dorn is going to adjust the system. But... In five years, he's not giving me any reason to believe that they're going to do that. And I think that's what everybody should be concerned about. Um, some questions from the crowd. Steven Johnson, where does Ryan, Ryan Finley rank in recent QB history? My personal opinion, Rivers, Wilson, Finley, Brissett, Glennon. Yeah, I think you've got it right. I think you could make the argument. No, I mean, somebody's going to argue. No, I can't see. Any, I can't see any reason to adjust that. I mean, I think that's exactly right. I think Finley, Finley didn't have enough of those games, like those moments, like Russell and Rivers did. I mean, Rivers took a team to triple overtime and all at it at Ohio State national championship team and he's just a gamer and, and Russell just made those plays that you just like you could believe Finley is super consistent super smart we're better for having him but I wouldn't he's not on the same level as those two um and, you know, Glennon, could have, Glennon didn't get enough time, I don't think. And that's partly because Russell's so good. But, yeah, so I think that's five pretty damn good quarterbacks. 
And so you look at that and you're like, man, we have, we've had five really good quarterbacks over the last 15 years. And we've only won 10 games once? Hmm. Interesting, huh? Uh, Nate, changing a program, among other things, takes winning certain important games. Keats has won those games. Dave has not. It's why fans, state fans, have bought in, bought in, 100% on Keats, but still aren't 100% on Dave. Maybe a little simplistic, but has some truth. And I agree. I think that's you know the tactician angle that we've already talked about is what has is holding Doran back from winning those games. I think you need to come out in those games and not just execute better. You need to bring it. You need to bring everything you got. Any kind of creativity, any kind of way you want to exploit a defense, you need to bring it. And I don't know if that's his mentality. Fun Pack 5. What do you think Doran's signature win during his tenure? What are your thoughts on the fact that he's beaten only one decent team but no really good teams in however many years? I don't know, man. I, I like... I get it. I, if I sat down with Doran and he said, hey, look, we didn't have... We don't have the players. You know, I would get it. But again... I want to see. I want to see us more competitive in those games. I don't want to see us beating some of those teams, and I think you need a slightly different approach. You know, next year, God, next year, think about this. You know, if he's if insistent on running the ball, you know, or the zone outside stretch run, zone run, being kind of the foundation. And you have Ricky Person, fantastic back. I think it's going to be great by the time he's done, but he's hurt. He's got to have surgery. And he's hobbled a lot this year. And then Zonovan Knight, he's fast as hell. He's you know, a Shrine Bowl MVP, but he's a freshman. You better get some running back depth. It is so important that they get Jemias Griffin, not just because he's good, but because he's, he's depth. And they need to make sure he signs. And even then, he got a, a true sophomore and two freshman running backs. <sighs> to go along with a quarterback who's never started a game. Man, that's going to be interesting. You better have some, some tricks up your sleeve. I don't know what Doran's signature win is. Notre Dame, Arizona State. I mean, he's won some good games, but not. He hasn't punched above his weight class yet. Not to say he won't, but he hasn't. Hasn't yet. Jason Garrett, two straight nine-win seasons. No matter who he beat, it's a giant step in the right direction. I agree. I mean, I think that's taking a step back. You look at it and... Nine wins back-to-back years for the first time in school history. That's got to be improvement. I don't care where you are. And Tommy Chicot. It's an interesting name. 
what does Dorn have to do to get the program to the next level? Yeah, I think he needs to, one, keep recruiting. He need two more classes like this 18-19 class. And I think you need to be open to having some more I don't know, creativity. I don't know what the word is, right? Aggression. Killer instinct. Something, right? I'm not sure what it is. I wish I had it saved, but Baxter C. had put it, he wrote it really well somewhere that you just you just need that level of aggression that certain coaches bring in order to win those games. And I just, I think that's what he needs to bring it to the next level. And hopefully he learns that. He's, I, I'll put it out there, he's still learning on the job. I, I think that's, everybody kind of knows that. But it's progressing. I think that's positive. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, nine wins... Let's let's leave it at that. It was it was a good year. Didn't get everything we could have out of it, but pretty good, man. Not 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 really gonna complain, right? Not really gonna. But I guess that's the benefit of being fans, right? We can nitpick and we can we can have these conversations and dream about what should be better. Uh, got a couple other questions around basketball. And there's no way I'm pronouncing your name right, so I apologize in advance. Karong Tai, what is your prediction for their ACC record for basketball? Uh, well, it starts tonight. Got Miami. I'm going to run through the schedule. I don't, to be honest, I haven't even looked at it. I love Kevin Keats. I love what he's doing. At Miami, W. Carolina home, W. Pitt at home, W. At Wake, W, one, two, three, four. At Notre Dame, W, five. At Louisville, loss, five and one. Clemson at home, W, six and one. Virginia at home. Mm, well, let's chuck it on a loss, six and two. Virginia Tech at home, W, seven and two. At Carolina, seven and three. At Pitt, W, eight and three. Syracuse at home, 9-3. At Duke, 9-4. Boston College at home, W. Kyrie Bowman's really good, though. What is that, 10-4. Wake at home, 11-4. At Florida State, 11-5. Georgia Tech at home, at Boston College. Somehow my math is wrong. That puts us at 18 games. <laughs> I don't think that's right. Um, pretty good, man. I I feel pretty good that they're getting double-digit wins. I think this team's pretty good. I like to play 10 guys. There's no real – there's no bench, right? They just put in more starters. That's how I look at it. Um, John Carter ceiling basement for this team. I, I think the basement is nine and seven in the ACC. Maybe I think. I mean, I think that's right. I think that's probably where I would put it. The ceiling. There's no telling. They can win every game. I'm not saying they're gonna, but they could. They're that kind of team. 
they're gonna have a night where they just don't need any shots and doesn't go their way. Somebody's girlfriend breaks up with them, and you know, it's just they have a bad game. It happens, but you know, I, I feel like a six seed is probably pretty good for this team. Uh, Nate again. Also beat Miami tonight. UNC game Tuesday is going to be absolutely huge with a crazy electric atmosphere. We haven't seen in a long time. It's going to be that way anyway. But yeah, win tonight and that's even it's even better. It's even going to be even crazier. Uh, Kevin Williamson. <laughs> Let's talk about baseball. Uh, I'll be honest, Kevin. If you, if you want to come on and tell me about NC State baseball, I'd love it. I don't really know anything about it. I follow it when they start winning. I mean, I, I pay attention to it, but I really get into it when you have Carlos Rodon or Trey Turner, you know, the guys that are um, super exciting to watch. And it's not a NC State thing. It's just baseball. Over the years, I've become less interested in baseball in general. Major League. I grew up a Yankees fan. went to a lot of Yankee games. Just I don't have time for it. But I'd love to talk baseball. I'd love somebody to come and tell me what's going to happen with this baseball team. Are they good? I know we have what Bailey was, a uh, superstar. We have a couple of good, a couple of really good players. Uh, but I just, I, you know, I'll be honest, I don't know that much about it. And Randy Tuthill would like to say, a hot dog on a bun is a sandwich. Okay. I think we'll leave it at that. Hope everybody had a good New Year's. Let me know I don't know what you want to talk about. What do you think? Am I crazy? Or just tell me that I'm right. I don't know. I mean, I think we all feel the same way about this football team. A lot of potential there. Could be better. Happy with nine wins. It's been a fun year. A lot of up and downs. Well, I'll probably never forget that weight game. Yeah. On to basketball season. Give me some of that Kevin Keats tonight. Thanks for listening. Go Pack.